Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Sylvia F., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from California. Today is Wednesday, May 17, 2017. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are starting on page 42, and it's the paragraph that starts, two of the members of Alcoholics Anonymous came to see me, and we're going to read through two paragraphs. Today's readers are... Christine M. on the 12 Steps, Penny L.C. on the 12 Traditions, and the readers are Rocky I., Kabil P., and Mary H. The reference number for Tuesday, May 16th, for the 10 o'clock meeting is 9946, 9946. And the, the share ID for this morning's meeting, 7 a.m., is 9949-9949. Our preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps, the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Christine M. to read the 12 steps. Christine? Yes, hello everyone. Good morning. My name is Christine M., gratefully recovered compulsive overeater from Missouri. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admit we're powerless over food, that our lives have become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made the decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Christine. I will now ask... Uh, Penny L.C. to read the 12 Traditions. Penny. Good morning, Sylvia, and good morning to everyone on the line. This is Penny L.C., 
grateful recovered compulsive overeater from the state of Washington. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group ought to be, excuse me, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for your service, and thank you for everyone doing service on the meeting, and I pass. Thank you, Penny. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirements for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass and then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. And we'd like to remind you not to be speaking on a speaker phone. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 42, and it's the paragraph that starts with two of the members of Alcoholics Anonymous came to see me. We're going to read through two paragraphs where it ends, as in fact it proved to be. And I will ask Rocky I to begin reading. Rocky? Good morning. Can I be heard? Yes, Rocky. Thank you. All right. So this is Rocky Recovered in Tempe, Arizona. All right, so two of the members of Alcoholics Anonymous came to see me. They grinned, which I didn't like so much, and then asked me if I thought myself alcoholic and if I were really, um, if, and if I were really like this time. I had conceived both propositions. They piled on me heaps of evidence to the effect that the alcoholic mentality, such as I had exhibited in Washington, was a hopeless condition. They cited cases out of their experience by the dozens. This process nuffled out 
the last flicker of conviction that I could do the job myself. Then they outlined the spiritual answer and program of action, which a hundred of them had followed successfully. Through, though I had been only a nominal churchman, their proposals were not intellectually hard to swallow, but the program of action, though entirely sensible, was pretty drastic, and it meant I would have to throw up several lifelong conceptions out of the window. That was not easy, but the moment I made up my mind to go through with the process, I had the curious feeling that my alcoholic condition was relieved as in fact it, pro it proved to be. Am I stopping right there? Okay, I yes. think it's... All right, cool. Oh, um, well, <clears throat> this is lucky I recovered in Tempe, Arizona. And uh, I, I cannot relate to the first part of the reading, but the second for sure. Um, they didn't come to me. I came to you guys. I came to Overeaters Anonymous. And I didn't really know what OA was about, but for some reason, well, now I know it's divine, it was divine intervention, but for some reason, I, I the voice came and it was OA. And I knew AA had helped people. I didn't even know how, but for some reason, I just got this insight the day I hurt myself after... Um, uh, having left blood surgery. And so when I came, um, I, I totally identified with the second part. You know, uh, they outlined the spiritual answer. Um, and, and I saw people that had recovered. And then um, not too far into the program, I met this wonderful man in whom the problem had been solved. And he really got me hooked onto the big book. And, um, you know, it's not about the food. And, and she's like, don't even ask me about food. It's, it's about the big book and read it, read, you know, all of this. And uh, me too, I, I had a notion of, of God. I, um, you know, I had a notion of him, but I, I didn't really knew of him. So I was totally agnostic. And, um, and then I fell in love, you know, the, the, that just just grabbed me, and um, one, two, three, all of them. Four was awful, but then relieving. Five was even worse, but again, then relieving. And now it's, it's become, and I recovered, and uh, I was like, whoa, who knew? And um, by grace, the more I do it, the more I want it, and um, I have recovered. It is true. And I have shared before that I keep challenging the book, even though 34 months, yeah, even 34 months into it, I still challenge it. And and again, I recover even more. I lost um, uh, a little bit over 100 pounds now. Probably I'm at about 105 or so. And I keep, you know, getting amazed. It's like, okay, God, how much weight are you going to take off me? You know, I'm still in process. My numbers, so to the newcomer, um, get in the big book. Uh, don't question it. Just challenge it like I have, and, and you'll see you'll recover. And if not, you know, you can get your missile back. We'll guarantee it. Um, but uh, my numbers... Are back to normal. My even my phone bill is back to normal. 
my blood pressure, my sugar, all my numbers except my weight because God is not finished with me. And so just to stay, you know, stay and, and hope that, um, I hope that you get the willingness, the desperation of a drowning man because I had it and um, I have recovered. So thank you for letting me share. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Rocky I. Let's open it up now for sharing, and I'll take a list. Who would like to share this morning? Star one, Gina two, R. One, two. Gina R. Who else? Some great, great material here. Who else wants to share? John K. John K. And Wendy M. Wendy M. Dorita P. Dorita P. I could take a couple more. Mary H. Mary H. One more on this lineup. Anybody else? Well, we'll stop here. Gina R., John K., Wendy M., Dorita P., and Mary H. Gina R.? Good morning, everybody. This is Gina R., gratefully recovered from a seemingly hopeless sense of mind and body in Colorado. Thank you so much, Sylvia, for your service and um, not just today, but a year ago, uh, when you answered the call that I made that um, my Ebby told me to. Um, she had stumbled into the Virginia Beach Convention and through several years and attempts at trying to lick this thing, um, she she got her answer. She got her spiritual awakening and her spiritual experience, and she was um, doing this deal. And um, I relate her to that first sentence that two members of Alcoholics Anonymous, Anonymous came to see me. She wasn't two members, but she just gently kept reaching out and sharing the message of hope. And also, more importantly than that, she was providing actual evidence that it was working, and I was watching it happen before my very eyes. But down to that second paragraph, the, but the program of action, though entirely sensible, was pretty drastic. I kept thinking in my mind, there's no way I can do this. There's no way I can do this. And finally, um, after my last binge, which was two days ago, a year ago, um, I reached out to her and said, okay, I'm done. I can't do this. And she said, you are exactly right. You cannot do this. But there is a way out. And if you want it, I will tell you what to do. She gave me um, a specific instruction to call somebody. And I did that. That person told me exactly what to do. I did that. The next day, I got on the line. I announced myself as a newcomer. I indicated I need a sponsor. I got outreach calls that day, and somebody became my sponsor that day. And that day was today, a year ago. Somehow, some way, I was able to take direction. And I think it was because I was completely done. I was done with myself. Myself was spent. The food brought me to my knees. And today, um, I have a clear mind. I'm making decisions that I probably should have made. Not, I'm, I'm going I'm, I'm to take should out. I couldn't have made 
over a year ago or five years ago or 10 years ago. My journey is my journey. It brought me to today. And all I know is that for today, I'm powerless over food. My hand is in my higher powers. My arms are locked with yours. And I'm going through this deal one day at a time. Thank you so much. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Gina R. So glad to have you here. John Kay. Good morning. Uh, This is John, compulsive overeater in Los Angeles. Thank everybody for their service. Happy birthday, Gina. Um, You know, it's funny. I was reading this, and it always jumps out at me when the the two members of Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, asked him, you know, know, asked me, was I really licked this time? And I remember when I read that thinking, wow, you know, that's not the way I learned how to do a 12-step call. and I'll uh, I'll just tell you that you know in my first program many years ago I um, a group of us became um, they had a, a program in in Norwalk, Connecticut where I was called Blue Coats where we would go to the rehab hospital uh, you know the and we twelve step people and what we were taught is just talk about yourself don't you know don't talk about them let them come to a conclusion and that is the wonders of a twelve step program. You know, um, I one of my favorite pamphlets is an AA pamphlet called uh, Members I View of Alcoholics Anonymous. And one of the things it talks about there that I just love is um, it says that the, one of the main differences that happened between other things in 12-step programs that was so groundbreaking, not that all of it wasn't groundbreaking, was the fact that it was no longer somebody above us wagging their fingers saying, here's what you should do. Instead, it was our peers saying, hey, here's what we did. You might want to try this. No pressure, no anything. And that, to me, is the wonderful key of 12-step work and, and why I was attracted to it. Because if you'd have come and been another person wagging their finger telling me, I, you know, I, I look nice if I would only lose some weight or any of those other things, I, you know, you don't want to wag a finger at me and they lose it. <laughs> but that's the great thing is that we all come together. We tell you what we did, how it, you know, what happened and what we're like now. And then if you want to join, fine. Nobody's going to make anybody do anything. And then the other thing that I have highlighted and had highlighted for years in, in my in this section is the phrase, uh, you know, it meant I would have to throw several lifelong conceptions out the window. And that was certainly true with me. I, you know, I grew up in a pretty dysfunctional household. And if you're, if you're a kid or even young adult and you just learn certain things, you think this is the way it's supposed to be and how you're supposed to react with other people and don't realize how dysfunctional it was. And to come and to say, okay, I need to wipe the slate and learn new stuff. That to me is the key. And the other thing that I see, I, I, I'm blessed here in Los Angeles to be around people with 20, 30, 40 years of abstinence. And I look at what they do. And they are constantly watching to see if they need to throw out lifelong concepts, always remaining teachable no matter how long they're in program. And I think that's a big part of the key because we, you know, we learn more every day. And with that, I pass. Thank you, John K. Wendy M. Yes, good morning. It's Wendy M. Recovered in Colorado. And Sylvia, thank you for your service and everybody else on the line. Um, So grateful to be here. So grateful to have a program. Thank you, God, for my abstinence today. Ooh, it's all so, so many gifts. Um, So my first thing that I love is they grinned, which I didn't like so much. 
Oh, man. Yeah. I love that they grinned um, because as much as this is life and death, um, there's also a knowing, like you're not alone and I'm going to grin and it's not that bad. In fact, it's fabulous. So join us. Um, so I love that he didn't like the grin. Um, and then I also want to say he's asking them, are you licked? And um, I put myself on the line yesterday um, for more sponsees. And I got some. Thank you, God. And I have to have more sponsees because this is a program of action, not a program of thinking. And the truth of the matter was, you know, I started picking at my food. I started standing and picking and um, not, for me, bringing my scale to the restaurant, which I was doing for the first nine months. Um, You know, I just got into a, like, I got this one. And um, I got into a, I look good. You know, I look good in the mirror. I look good. So I really, you know, and I didn't know it. I didn't know it, and um, I finally got honest yesterday with actually on on the line, and it felt fabulous to get honest. And it became very clear to me that I need to work with more people, and that's what's going to get me out of myself, and it's going to get me out of my head thinking I'm running the show and that it's my program and it's not my program. And this disease is so cunning and baffling and powerful, and I'm so... uh, I kind of have reverence for it. You know, I have, I have this sort of degree of respect. Um, so, so that was wonderful. So he says I could do the job myself. Yeah, I can't do the job myself. I can be entirely abstinent and think I can do the job myself. Um, and I have to tell people about that. I need to fist step that. I need to get honest with that. Um, the other thing I really, really liked, um, something that's been said, is just throwing several lifelong conceptions out the window Several, I'd say all conceptions. All of my thinking was not well. And this is a program of unthinking to set aside everything I think I already know about myself, about God, about you, about my siblings, about my husband, my son, about parenting, everything. Everything has to be thrown out. Everything has to be thrown out. And and then what does he get get with that? He gets, you know, freedom. We, I get Freedom. Oh, my God. The minute I set aside that prayer and I say, I'm going to set aside what I think I know today about everything, I get freedom, which is, um, you know, just there's nothing like it. And what a relief to throw out those lifelong conceptions. I can't tell you the kind of freedom I'm getting in doing that. Um, And then he says, you know, um, his condition was relieved. Um, so what a program. Thanks so much for letting me share it. I pass. Thank you, Wendy M. Dorita P. and then Mary H. Hi. Hi. <laughs> okay, hi. This is Dorita P. Uh, from Cleveland. I am a compulsive overeater. Um, yeah, this uh, thing here... Um, they grinned, which I didn't like so much, and then asked me uh, if I thought myself alcoholic and if I were really licked this time. Uh, they they could grin because uh, they had a solution. And I like uh, when people are at this point um, because for me, um, I had to be at this point. I had to be desperate 
and um, all out of my good ideas. Um, and I'm grateful I was at that point because I was willing to do anything. You know, I say uh, if my sponsor told me to uh, stand on my head three times a day, I, I would have tried to do it. Um, and uh, let's see, this part down here, um, but the moment I made up my mind to go through with the process, I had the curious feeling that my alcoholic condition was relieved, as in fact it proved to be. Um, yes, we can recover, and we can be recovered. Um, you know, uh, and I'm really, I'm really grateful for that. Um, you know, I have people, I have a sponsee who, um, you know, gives me her food um, every, every, every day. Um, but for me, uh, w once you have a food plan, that's fine. Um, but, you know, then it's no longer about the food. It's about, you know, working these 12 steps and about getting our life in order. You know, um, I had to concede to the second part of uh, step one. You know, we admitted we were powerless over food and that our lives had become unmanageable. My life was very unmanageable. And and like I said before, I think a person's life or a person, you know, whether it looks unmanageable on the outside or not, because mine didn't really look unmanageable on the outside. I was holding down a... a a full-time job, a pretty good job. Um, I was making the most money that I've made in my life. I was driving a brand-new car every other year. Um, so um, I'm just really grateful that I was uh, at this point the guy was at. Um, you know, I was really licked. I was really licked. I was, I was all out of ideas. And, you know, my diets, they stopped working. You know, before when I was younger, I could diet and lose weight, um, but my diet stopped working, so I was desperate. And this, you know, I, this was the last uh, house on the block, and I'm really grateful for this house. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Dorita. Mary H. Good morning. This is Mary H. Recovered in, uh, where am I? California, Northern California. And I think I need another cup of coffee, but I am really excited to share on this because, well, there's so much in it, and um, I'm going to just look at that last sentence. But the moment I made up my mind to go through with the process, I had the curious feeling that my alcoholic condition was relieved, as in fact it proved to be. And I was trying to think back of what that moment was for me, and it seemed like I had very, a, a lot of bottoms, a lot of where I felt like, isn't this it? Isn't this enough? Aren't I in enough pain to move forward? And I don't think that moment where it really changed was up to me. I, I had, that was a, you know, a, a God moment. And when it all came together, I remember being in Yosemite in a hotel room and I was with family on a beautiful vacation that everybody was enjoying and I, I was enjoying to some extent but I was full of my food obsession and it was really hard to be joyful and um, I didn't know it I just was living my addiction 
and and grinning and bearing and and um you know trying to put on a happy face and i remember i had gotten on this line a while before and i i knew i heard something here like you know what these people are talking about being recovered that's what i i want to be recovered i had before that been bouncing back and forth absent then relapse and absent relapse and that was really painful and um so I've, someone called me back who ended up being my guide, and I remember sitting like huddled on the bathroom floor. All my binge foods were in the room and um, and talking to her and just feeling like, you know what, I just, she had asked me, you know, are you done? Are you done? And I thought, yeah, I'm done. But I I also felt this moment of just, you know what, if, if she asks me for my firstborn, I'm going to give it to her. You know, she asked me for all my children to, for me to give them up. I'm going to do whatever because, you know what, they're no good. I'm no good to them right now. I'm no good to anybody. And uh, and it's just, and I, I, I think I had that curious feeling. It was like everything in my body just relaxed. And she said, okay, I'm going to give you instructions. I'm going to take you there. And, um and I had heard her voice on the line, and I knew she was there. And uh, whew. so, you know, almost two years later, I'm there too, and I'm talking on the line, and I'm not huddled in a bathroom um, with my life being miserable. And um, and uh, I was shown a way out, so I'm really grateful, and I'll pass. Ooh, good timing. <laughs> I'm getting good <laughs> at this. Nicely done. Nicely done. Okay, let's take a list. Who else would like to share such great passages of sharing? Shawnee B. Shawnee B. Kathleen O. Kathleen O. Ann B. Who else? Ann B. Sorry, KB. Ann B. Sherry. I think Sherry. I, okay, so I've missed it. I've got Ann B and then Sherry KB, and I missed someone else. My, my name is Trudy. This is my first time at the meeting, and I just wanted to ask. Uh, do you Hang take on. phone numbers? Oh, at, we do at the end. If you stick to the end, it's uh, 10 minutes to the hour. So stick on to the end, and we would love to hear from you then. Thank you. Okay, so I have Sherry Kathleen. Oh, Ann B, Sherry KB, and I missed a couple of other people. Terry H. Terry H. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think I missed someone else. Anybody else? Okay. Sherry B, Kathleen O, Ann B, Sherry KB, and Terry H. Sherry, Shawnee B. That's who I have, Shawnee B. For the Hi, first reader. Hi, Shawnee B. Hi, Shawnee B, Grateful, Recovered, Compulsive Overeater from Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Um, I'm going to comment on this line that we had to throw several lifelong conceptions out of the window. Uh, When I came into the program, I didn't even know how messed up my thinking was. I thought I was completely normal. Um, I thought my life was normal, and um, I just had a food problem. And as I continued on through program, and as I um, began to read the big book and take the steps with my sponsor um, straight from the big book, Something started happening to me, and I started realizing that that I was 
viewing my life differently. I was viewing my experiences differently. And these um, several lifelong conceptions that I had that I hadn't even realized that I had were slowly being um, lifted and changed into a different way of thinking. And I'm so grateful for that because my way of thinking was killing me and I didn't even see it, but it was killing me. Um, and I'm so grateful to have an, another outlook and another way of looking at life and to be able to accept life on life's terms and to be able to be present in the life for my loved ones and be able to be um, clear-headed and be able to think about what do I think God's will is for me in this moment and to continue to do the next right action and ask God to give me the next right thought because the only way I can do the next right action is with the right thoughts. Um, and I continue to pray about that. And it wasn't easy. It's not easy to throw away these ideas that I've held on um, through my childhood and and the way that I thought was the normal thinking. It wasn't easy, but it's such a gift. And um, I wish everybody on the line the same gift that I received. Thanks. I'll pass. Thank you, Shawnee. Kathleen O. and then Ann B. Good morning, Sylvia. Thank you for your service today. This is Kathleen O, recovered compulsive overeater in California. And like Fred, I had to concede both propositions. I'd ask myself, am I, am I a real compulsive overeater? And if I were really licked this time. And you know, basically it came down, it comes down to making a choice. Do I want, did I want to have happiness, joy, and freedom like the people I the recovered people I heard on this line or met in person? Or did I want to just do it my way and, you know, have the food and be miserable? So, you know, it was it was basically choosing the food as my higher power or finding a higher power that wasn't the food. And um, really it didn't, it wasn't that difficult of a choice. Um, I had to come to terms that I was bodily and mentally different from a normal eater. I had to concede that my thinking around food really was a hopeless condition and that all the knowledge in the world and all the willpower out there just wasn't going to fix me. Um, and you know, what's sad is I too heard numerous cases of other experiences and I could relate 100%, yet I would get those mental blank spots, the mental twist where I thought that even though all the people who relayed the stories just like mine were never struck normal again, and I knew that, that maybe I was different. And how's that for crazy insane thinking? So, you know, the mental twist always came with me um, from resting on my laurels, thinking I'd achieved success and no further effort was necessary. And that will always get me in trouble. Um, this program of action can seem drastic, but it's not as drastic as dying a slow, torturous death in the food. Uh, you know, if 100 men and women could recover from this seemingly hopeless state of mind and body way back in the 30s by following the directions, then certainly I could do it. You know, you couldn't pay me to go back to my miserable life in the food and lugging around, um, you know, 70 extra pounds and really just being miserable. Um, it took, takes knowing I'm powerless, believing in a power greater than me, and then taking action. Um, I love when I hear that this is a program of action, not a program of thinking. And I had to be willing to do what was necessary to have the problem removed. So we have a choice to step up and work these steps or step out. 
and um, it really isn't that difficult of a choice. Thank you. This is Kathleen, and I pass. Thank you, Kathleen. We've got Ann B. followed by Sherry KB. Ann? Hi, this is Ann B., recovered compulsive overeater from New York. Um, I, I realized that I was addicted to my favorite trigger food about eight years before I joined program. And I mentioned it to a member of my religious group, and she was a devoted OA member, and she suggested I go to OA. But I didn't go because the part I didn't understand was the progressive nature of the illness and also the emotional syndrome surrounding the illness. I knew I was overweight, but my then husband was also overweight. He didn't care if I was overweight. I didn't think being addicted to food was a big deal. Um, and But fast forward, about eight years later, my now ex-husband has moved out. And again, we're still both overweight, and um, it wasn't the weight. It was the emotional syndrome. And also, I was more overweight. I, I had kept gaining weight, um, particularly as the marriage was falling apart. And I, I joined program, and I was in program about two weeks when I started hearing about the role of resentment and fear in addiction. And I felt like the scales had fallen from my eyes. I realized that resentment and fear had destroyed my marriage. Um, and I realized that resentment and fear were going to destroy everything in my life if I didn't do something about this. And it became about the sanity and not about the vanity. And as I say, I came for the vanity, but I stay for the sanity. Um, and, you know, we had, been, we had been the world's most therapied family. We've been in marriage counseling for years, two chubby people getting fatter and fatter in front of the therapist, and no one had ever mentioned the possibility that there was an addictive syndrome surrounding food that had an emotional side to it. And moreover, I certainly didn't know the part that's in Chapter 3 about how this is a progressive fatal illness and over any period of time it's only going to be getting worse. And it was about six weeks after my ex moved out and I stepped off the scale. I was 190. I hadn't weighed that much since I was pregnant. And I was no longer pregnant. <laughs> but I was still eating as if I was pregnant as a, and even more than I ate when I was pregnant. Um, because it was very hard for me as a compulsive overeater to start reducing what I ate. <laughs> um, and then the misery, but it wasn't, the, although I had the false belief that if I lost weight, it would be easier for me to find another guy. I later learned, no, there are plenty of chubby guys out there who are looking for a chubby woman to eat with. Um but the misery came from my ex leaving me and I being dumped. And that time. Okay, thank you. I'll pass. Okay, thank you, Ann. Sherry KB, followed by Terry H. Good morning, Sylvia. Good morning, everybody. This is Sherry KB in Northern California, Grateful Recovered Compulsive Reader. 
Thanks for your service, Sylvia, and everybody on the line. Um, oh, my. Okay. Um, what really I've got highlighted big time is it would meant I would have to throw out several lifelong conceptions out the window. Um, I have a little story here for, about how I got into uh, doing this work. and I had been in another radical 12-step food program, and I thought I'd arrived because I'd gotten down actually under goal weight. And I thought, you know, I had arrived and everything was going to be perfect now. But then all of a sudden, you know, I I thought I would be happy by now because that's the lie I bought my bought into for so many years that if I got down to where I was thin enough, then life would be perfect and I would be happy. But you know what? I wasn't because something was missing. And I kept saying to my sponsor in the other program, something's missing. I don't understand what it is. And she goes, no, you've got everything here. It's fine. And I said, no, no, there's something more than that. And I started listening to Vision in 2013, and I was walking with a friend at 4 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and um, and I started listening, and I said, wow, these people are on fire. You know, there's something about these people. And, I, you know, I don't know. So I kept listening and kept listening. Of course, my disease wanted to keep me out of the rooms of this particular phone. And... Um, but I kept saying something was missing, and then all of a sudden um, I heard someone on the phone, and they had actually come to the area where I live, and they had uh, talked about, you know, how to work the steps. And I had worked the steps, but not like this, not like this. And, um, and you know, when I got in this book and I started working the steps with a step guide, and all the conceptions that I had really came into my face more than they ever had before. Um, an example of thinking I could do it all by myself, that was a conception I had that I'd throw out the window, um, that I blamed everything outside of myself on why I was so unhappy. <clears throat> and, I, you know, all these things that I went through um, through this book changed me uh, more than anything else that ever had. I know that everything I did got me to this point, but the drastic changes that went on doing this work um, and I continue to throw out lifelong conceptions because they're so buried down in there from all the food I ate that, you know, this book keeps me doing this kind of work. And it's just amazing to me how the thoughts that I've had, how much I've changed and that I cannot do this alone. And that I had to stop blaming everything outside of Sherry because I had to take responsibility for my part. And, you know, that's what we're doing with the program of action is we're taking steps four through 12. And, um, and I do that every day, and I'm just so grateful for it. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry KB. And now we have Terry H. Terry? Hi, everyone. My name is Terry H. Um, North Carolina, recovered compulsive reader. I'm grateful today, most definitely. It's beautiful, beautiful weather. I had exhibited a hopeless condition um, over and over again in my disease. You know, this process, the process that I went through and the experiences that I had snuffed out the last flicker of conviction that I could do the job myself. I could not, no matter how hard I tried, my self-will, my self-knowledge, I just couldn't. And I finally uh, came to the point that I understood that I was powerless. You know, over and over again, I would binge and purge. And uh, over and over again, I would try to stop or I would say, I could do this. And then I couldn't. 
I was powerless. I'm definitely powerless in my disease. And when I asked someone to sponsor me and work the big book and the uh, 12 steps with me, um, I just knew that last flicker of conviction that my self-will and self-knowledge could beat this disease was snuffed out. And I was licked. I was definitely licked. And I, uh, but I, you know, I wanted to live, you know, and I wasn't dead at that time. Um, so, you know, I um, was not helpless. And so when I reached out and asked someone to, to work with me, that was, you know, one of my first actions. Um, and since then, you know, I continue to take action every day, every day of my recovery and my program. You know, everything I knew about recovery and, and my disease, you know, I just set aside and was willing to go to whatever lengths I needed to go to to, um, you know, work the recovery program. You know, today I am so grateful um, for my recovery and my connection with my higher power. There's no way I could have ever, ever done this on my own. You know, my disease was too powerful. It was too strong. And, you know, with my spiritual experience and expanding my spiritual awareness every day and working my program every day, taking action, I wake up in the morning asking God for his vision for the day, and then I go to sleep at night thanking God for another recovered day and for my life in general, most definitely. And for that, I'm grateful. Thanks. I pass. Thank you, Terry H. We have time for about two more shares. Who do we have? Who wants to step up? Laura W. Laura W. One more. Kathy Joe. Kathy Joe. Okay. Laura W. It's it's yours. Thank you so much. Good morning, everyone. This is Laura W. Recovered compulsive eater, anorexic, and exercise bulimic in South Jersey. It's ironic. I was at a face to face meeting yesterday, and we were reading um, <clears throat> the same pages and as we are here in a vision for you. And, you know, it says, but the program of action, though entirely sensible, was pretty drastic. It meant I would have to throw several lifelong conceptions out of the window. That was not easy. But the moment I made up my mind to go through with the process, I had the curious feeling that my alcohol condition was relieved, as in fact it proved to be. Curious means, I looked it up, eager to learn or know. And you know, that tells me that I need to get out of myself because if I'm eager to learn or know something, then I'm not, you know, then I'm not agnostic. I'm not, um, you know, well, I may be agnostic. I might be without knowledge, but, uh, you know, I'm not, um, I'm living, I'm not living by self-will if I'm curious. If I'm curious, then I'm eager to do something different, you know, if you get if you do what you always do you always you're going to get what you have always got and and that was my life story for so long but the moment i made up my mind i made up my mind a lot a lot of times you know i made a decision many many times to do certain things but until i go through with the process a decision without action is just pointless um you know so it says that it's a spiritual answer they outline the spiritual answer they didn't outline they didn't say to him, well, just put, put the alcohol down. In fact, they don't even talk about alcohol anymore from like page 45 on. It talks about that mental twist. They use the word mental and mentality on these two pages like four or five times, which tells me this is not necessarily always a physical problem. This is a mental, mental disease that I have. And it was humbling for me to admit that. 
I'm grateful today for that reminder. I had to be beat into a sense of reasonableness that I could not do this on my own. And I, I know over and over, I tried to do this by myself, and I failed over and over and over again. And it was always tomorrow. I would do it tomorrow, just let me lose a few more pounds and get that cushion. And as an anorexic, I was like, well, I'm not that bad. I'm not under 100 pounds. I'm not that bad. And that's the, that strange mental twist. That's that blank spot. Today, I have a spiritual answer to it all, not just to the food. I have a spiritual answer when I'm angry. I have a spiritual answer when I'm resentful and fearful. And, and that is not to turn to the food. Um, you know, or the, or the over-exercising. My old beliefs had to be smashed. Um, it's going to solve all my problems, not just my food problem. This 12-step is going to solve everything. I have to put my faith in God, in a higher power, and surrender every day in my life to Him. It doesn't matter how long I've been recovered. I have to surrender every single day to my higher power and turn my will and my life over. And that's what these pages tell me to do. And it's right outlined, and I don't have to reinvent the wheel. I'm so grateful that I'm not alone in this. Thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Laura W. And uh, Kathy Joe, I have two minutes left. If you could keep it to two minutes. Hi, this is Kathy Joe, recovered compulsive overeater in Minneapolis. And I want to say I came in the rooms in 1980, and then I left for seven years. Or seven years. After seven years, I left for 22 years. And I did not have it licked. I did not have it licked. When I said, if I get over 300 pounds, if I don't fit in the roller coaster, if I need a seatbelt extension, if my blood pressure is out of whack, if I have plantar fasciitis, if I can't wipe myself, if I can't keep a relationship, if I can't keep a job, I did not have it, I did not want to admit that I did not have it licked. I kept going and going for 22 years, and yes, I saw the people that were in the rooms when I first came in, and they had grins. But I want to say their grins were the spiritual answer that they had, the sunlight of the spirit that they have, the serenity that they had. And I reached out to them very, very infrequently, and one of them, thank God, directed me to a vision for you right about a year ago. And I am so glad to be a part of the spiritual answer and to every day know that I do not have it licked. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kathy Jo. Thank you to everyone who shared and thank you to Team Wednesday for your service. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And will Camille P. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Our this is Camille from California, compulsive overeater, recovered. Um, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. 
May God bless you and keep you until then.